we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is the author and the teacher of this book. We lean upon you, Holy Ghost, to teach us what it is that the Word of God is saying and cause understanding and instruction to come to us. We ask that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened according to the Apostle Paul's prayer when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. So we would know and understand some things, what we have, who we are, and what we're supposed to do. We thank you that we'll know and comprehend and understand with all the saints the love of God, the height, the width, the depth, and the breadth of his love. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise, Jesus. You are the bright and shining star. This is your thing. This is your church. You are the the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Everything we do, we do for you to bring your name, glory, and honor, and praise. And everybody who believes that and agrees said... Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. And uh, we're going to continue our teaching this morning. Uh, we're going to kind of shift a little bit, which it's going to get good. It's been good, but it's going to get even gooder, as they say. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting the Lord to, to minister to us. We talked about uh, humanity, the three dimensions or the three parts of the human being. We talked about our spirit We've talked about our soul, and we've talked about our flesh, and we've also discussed the reality of most Christians, they really just walk through life not understanding the difference between spirit, soul, and body, and so we get into a place where all of a sudden this temptation comes to us, and, and then maybe we fall. Maybe we walk down that path that we shouldn't walk down, or maybe we do something that we shouldn't do, and then we're left alone... <laughs> just like the plan of the enemy, we're left alone with whatever it was that we did. Where that, wherever it was that we went, whatever it is that we took or tasted or smoked or drank or looked at or watched, or, and we're left alone. And then the lie comes in our mind. See, the enemy comes and speaks to our minds and says, well, maybe you've just never really been born again. Maybe it didn't work. But the reality here is, is that we have been born again. The Bible says that if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Praise God that we have the Romans road that we can look at and say, the wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that God's demonstrated his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, not when we were fixed, not when we were clean, not when we were without problems and without habits and without addictions, but when we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. Amen? And then, of course, we know that uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we receive Jesus. We're born again. We've believed in our heart, our spirit, and we've confessed with our mouth, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our brain. We've said something that we believed in our spirit, and according to the Word of God, something awesome happened. There was a miracle that took place. Our human spirit became born again, given the nature of God, the life of God, and the ability of God by the Holy Ghost. It's imparted into us by the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul tells the church in Colossae that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into something. God pulled us out of something, and that translated, if you really look at the original language, it gives us the idea of a conveyor belt. 
from here to the sound booth. And we've been put on this conveyor belt from the kingdom of darkness and just moved out. We didn't do anything of ourselves. He just moved us out from where we used to be into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Amen. It wasn't by works, lest anyone should boast. It wasn't anything we could or couldn't do. It was simply faith, believing in our heart, our spirit, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of humanity, that God put Him there for our sake, and that He died in that position naturally and he went according to the bible into hell and he suffered in hell in the center of the earth jesus said the son of man must go for three days and three nights and then god raised him up from the dead again the apostle paul says to the church in rome in romans he says at the point of our justification god raised him up he was offered up because of our offense not because of his but the moment that all of humanity was justified, the moment in time when the scales of justice came to a perfect balance, then God said, come back up here. And he came out triumphant and victorious. Amen? We celebrate Resurrection Day every day. I said we celebrate Resurrection Day every day. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ hasn't raised them, we are above all men most miserable, and our teaching and our preaching and our elementary rudiments are worthless. Thank God for the resurrected Christ. Amen? He's not dead. He's very much alive. Amen? So in our spirit, we've been made new. In our spirit, we've been born again. The, the Amplified Version says this way, that we have been, in Ephesians, it says we have been recreated in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That faith is not of yourself. That faith is a gift of God. It's the measure of faith that God gives every human being when they're born. For by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. You, he says, are his workmanship. Created, the King James and New King James Version says. But the Amplified Version says, recreated in Christ Jesus. For the good works that he has ordained for you to walk in. Praise God. Recreated in our human spirit. That means that the old nature has been buried with Christ in baptism. That means that the old nature is gone, and what's left is a brand spanking new human spirit that's been recreated by Jesus Christ with the very life, nature, and character of God. Peter says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. Amen? We see that our spirit is born again. Everybody say, my spirit has been born again. Now, I want you to pay attention to this because it's very important. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. He says this, I am begging you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present your, your flesh, your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. This is your reasonable spiritual service. Your reasonable spiritual service. That who's, who's the real I that the Apostle Paul is talking about? That's the spirit man. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, the hidden man or person of the heart. And we've taken that verse out of context and said Peter didn't like makeup. 
Listen, I've seen people without makeup. <laughs> Never mind. The point was, if you're going to put makeup on and if you're going to do your hair, then at least pay attention to your spirit. Pastor John Osteen says this, and he's in heaven now, not Joel, John, his dad. Pastor John, you say, I'd rather be here tonight than the best jail in town. It's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. It could get worse. Amen. He said, present your bodies a holy sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Unto God, this is your reasonable spiritual service. And then he says this in the second verse, and it's awesome and powerful. He says, don't be conformed to the world's way of thinking. Don't be conformed to the world's way of living. Don't be conformed to the world's way of speaking. But be transformed by what? Renewing your mind. So the Apostle Paul is telling us through the writing of the Holy Spirit to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Hey, God's done something about your spirit. God's done something about your spiritual condition. We were all born spiritually dead. And God has done something about our spiritual condition. Praise God that we can be born again. Amen? Brought to life, spiritually speaking. The Bible says that he raised us to newness of life. Man. But the book says you and I have to do something about our flesh. And the book says you and I have to do something about our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's up to us. And what happens is, is we focus like they were when Peter was writing his epistle. They're focusing on the outward appearance of people. And, hey, this person's paying too much attention to their hair and to their makeup. And they're adorning themselves. And they're forgetting the hidden man of the heart. I'm for makeup. I'm for doing hair and all that stuff. But we can't leave the real us in ruin. We can't leave the real us unattended. And so there's daily fellowship with God where we crack open the book and let our eyes hit the pages of his holy word, amen? And we read the word and feed our spirits. And when we feed our spirits and we starve our flesh and we starve our soul, which have not been born again or recreated, it's our job to do something about our mind, it's our job to do something about our bodies. If, if our bodies go and desire a certain thing, then we, the real us, our spirit can say, we're not, we're not going to do that today. We're, I'm, I'm in charge, and I'm going to run this thing the way that, that I want to. Now remember, Romans chapter 8 again tells us that our spirit is in fellowship, communion, or relationship with his spirit, not your soul, not your flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Know this, that your outward man, outward man, your outward man is perishing every day. But your inward man is renewed day by day. Day by day, day by day, day by day. The Apostle Paul goes on to tell this church in Corinth in the first time he addressed him. First Corinthians chapter 9, he says, hey man, listen, everybody who runs a race run, runs that race, say that fast. Everybody who runs a race runs that race to win it. They're trying to win the trophy. And Paul says this, he said, but we strive for a crown. 
He says, so I'm going to run this way. I'm going to run this way. I'm not going to just go out and just say, who cares, just do whatever you want to, but I'm going to condition or discipline. People say discipline, and they think that it's going back to the Martin Luther days and sitting in a cell and whipping yourself for penance. That's not disciplining your flesh. That's crazy, and you should talk to a doctor. (laughs) It's being real. You're not hurting yourself. You're dominating your flesh by the real you from the inside out. You're disciplining your body like an athlete would have to discipline their body to be able to run a race or to be able to perform a feat. And he says this, he said, and I fight not like one beating the air, he says, but I'm not going to go and preach and then find myself undone, disqualified, or cast out. So what's he talking about? He's talking about whatever things that he has to do to make sure that his body doesn't steer him but that his spirit, which, by the way, has been born again and in relationship and communion with God, is steering his body. I'm going to give you one more verse because it's fun. How many are you glad you like the Bible? You like the Bible? Any Bible readers in here today? Praise God for the Bible. Amen. It's not a suggestion. Dr. Billy Graham says it is the only voice of authority that a Christian has. CNN and Fox News and whoever else you want to listen to can say anything they want to, but the Word of God already says how we should live, how we're going to live, and what's going to happen to and for us and through us. And here's a perfect example of real life. I hear something coming to me that's contrary to what this book says. So who's right? The Word. The Word is truth. Jesus said, Father, John 17, Father, your Word is truth. Sanctify them, the disciples, by your word. Your word is truth. First Thessalonians chapter 4, a lot of people who, it's like we go through a concordance or a topical Bible and we say, nope, I'm not dealing with any sexual immorality, so I don't need to read that part. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, on the surface is talking about sexual immorality. But Just because you may or may not have ever gone through an issue where you're needing to be ministered to in that area doesn't mean that the concept that's being communicated by the Holy Ghost to the church in Thessalonica through the Apostle Paul doesn't need to be applied in a different area of your life. And so the Apostle Paul's talking to the church here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he says this, he says, we must possess our own vessel. Possess our own vessel. Well, what does that mean? The body that you're looking at is not the real me. The real me is the hidden man of the heart. The real me is the inward man that's renewed day by day. And we talked about this last Sunday. You know, you wake up and you feel like you're Rice Krispies because you snap, crackle, and pop your way through the morning. Thank God that at least my spirit's renewed every day. You go out and you do something that you haven't done in 20 years, like, you know, walk. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I walked three miles. I don't know what I was trying to prove. I should have just sat down. Yeah, don't judge me. But he says, possess your own vessel. 
See, my body is a vehicle for my spirit, and it's the vessel that carries my spirit wherever it is that I go. And this body, this earth suit, is what gives me permission, a rite of passage, to live here on planet earth. This is my vessel. I have to possess my own vessel. God's not going to do anything about the appetites and the desires that you have in your flesh. If you like pizza, I've said this before, if you like pizza before you got born again, chances are good you're still going to like pizza after you get born again. And all the pizza eaters said, amen. Amen. If you like steak, you're still going to eat steak. So we possess our own vessel. We pay attention, not just the natural adornment of our physical body, but we pay attention to the hidden man of the heart. Here's some things that we have to understand, and we've, we've really gone through and talked about these all the while and along the way, but we have to understand that the part of us that's born again is our spirit. And what God has done for us is he has taken of his spirit and put it inside of our spirit. Him, the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of us. Jesus told his disciples this. He said, hey, the Holy Spirit who's been with you and upon you, soon he's going to be in you. And they went like this. What? The Holy Spirit is going to be in us? Now, they had seen some pretty fascinating things that the Holy Spirit had done through the person of Jesus Christ in the earth. Jesus didn't just come down here, kick heaven and earth open, and say, I'm the Son of God. I'm just going to run this thing and do whatever I want to. No, he had to come in the same way that everybody else did. Yes, he was immaculately conceived. Yes, he is the Son of God, but he's also the Son of Man. He's 100 He's a walking contradiction. He's 100% God and 100% man. Well, we all know that you can't have that. It's impossible. But it's not impossible because all things are possible to God and to him who believes in him. So Jesus didn't come down here and exercise his divinity and walk around and say, I'm son of God, part the way, excuse me. Son of God coming through, excuse me, going to Starbucks. Son of God, I go to the front of the line. Are you here? The Bible tells us that Jesus operated as a man in this earth, anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts says. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He's talking about the man, Jesus, the, the man who came from Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It doesn't say Jesus walked around healing everybody because he was God and then he had fun. It'd be cool if it did. But he came in the right way because see what had happened. Lord, help us. What had happened was God said, Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. And then he said this, let us have dominion over the earth. Let us have dominion over all the fish of the sea. Let us have dominion over all the birds of the air. Is that what God said? No, that's not what God said. No, he did not say that. He said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the earth. Who? Them. 
He says again in Genesis, just a couple chapters later, he says, the heavens of heaven belong to the Lord and the earth to the children of men. God intended that humanity rule and reign on this globe and have dominion. Adam came from the dust of the earth, made by God, touched by God, and breathed life into him by God himself. And we know the story of creation that he caused him to go into a deep sleep and of his rib, of his side, God took a rib and then he made Eve of the dust of the ground. And we're not doing marriage today, but men have thought for a long time that women need to be under our feet and they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be by our side. That's the plan. You don't get to reign or rule someone because you have a male reproductive organ or you don't have to come under the subjection and authority and dominance of someone just because you don't have a male reproductive organ. I'm preaching good this morning. So he said, let them have dominion over the earth and the fish and the birds and the fowl and everything that's going on and everything that creeps and all the stuff. Let them have dominion over it. It was put into man to rule and to reign. That's why it's the natural progression, according to the word of God, that we of every nation and every tribe and every tongue, he's brought us back to himself and he's caused us to rule and to reign by Christ Jesus in this earth, in this life. We'll rule and reign. It's the natural order of things. He came to turn it back and to redeem, to bring back, to reconcile, to take it back to the original plan, purpose, and intent. Well, pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about how Jesus couldn't just walk in here and say, I'm God. I own this place. I'm doing it. He didn't because Jesus, the son of God, and God, the father, and the Holy Spirit, according to Genesis chapter one, said, we're going to make you guys, you guys have authority here. You guys do something with this. We'll uphold it by the word of our power. You do something here. You subdue it and you, you be fruitful and multiply. You have dominion. So Adam says one day, meh, this is kind of lame. <laughs> Facebook meme, meh. This is lame. And Lucifer comes to him and says, you know, if you eat this fruit, then you'll be like God. They are already like God. They are already like God. What did God say? Let us make man in our image. They were already like God. Adam already had a spirit. Adam already had a body. Adam already had a soul. And so Adam trades off earth, the dominion of man, you know, the, the Bible tells us that humanity is the crowning joy of God's creation. We're in charge. We're touched by him. The only thing in creation touched by him. Everything else he spoke. But with humanity, he made it a relational thing. I'll, I'm your father. I'm your originator. I'm your creator. And then he... He didn't say man be and man was. No, he fashioned and formed man. And then he breathed life, a living soul, a living spirit, a living person. Amen? 
So Satan comes and says, hey, if you guys will do this, I'm going to make you the boss. They were already the boss. It's interesting because Jesus was tempted in Luke's gospel. You all okay this morning? Jesus was tempted in Luke's gospel, and the devil comes to Jesus and takes him up into the pinnacle of the temple and says to Jesus, Jesus, look at all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus, look at all the kingdoms of this earth. He said, I'll give them all to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And then he makes this very, 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 very powerful statement. He said, because they've all been given to me. Oh, because oh. they've all, they're mine. I'll give them to you. They're mine. I own them rightfully. They're mine. I can give them to you because they were given to me. Say thanks, Adam. See, Adam gave dominion of the world. That's why Satan is the little g God of this world. Are you here? So Jesus came in. He had to come in through a human. And he had to do what he did as a human. Anointed with the person and the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's what our Bible tells us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't get nervous because we're just talking about the Bible now. Jesus didn't walk on water because he was God. Jesus walked on water because he had never sinned. See, we were supposed to be able to walk on water, but we sinned. Jesus didn't perform miracles because he was God. He performed miracles because he had never sinned. Nothing had separated him and his father in their relationship. Plus, he had received the power of the person of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the Father in the earth as an example. Here's a fun little tidbit. If Jesus did what he did as God in the flesh, then you and I are not able to follow him, and he is a liar. Because he said, the works that I do, you will do. And greater works than these will you do. If he did them as God, you and I are out, unless there's someone here that I'm unaware is God. No. So if he did those things any other way and then commanded us to do them, then he'd be unjust and unfair and he'd be a liar. Couldn't trust him. But he's not a liar. And we can do the things that he did. Why? Because he goes to the Father. It makes a way for us to be brought back and be born again. So all of that little side note was to bring us back to that very end sentence so he can make a way for us to be brought back and to be born again, to be reconciled, to be forgiven, to be accepted, to be put back in a position of relationship. See, we talked about God and he spoke to everything else and but with us it was relational so we can be put back into a relationship so you thought it was a rabbit trail but it wasn't so we could know that we're in a relationship with God and he put us back to the place that he wanted us to be in Adam he put us there in Christ amen so the, the spirit of man is born again. The spirit of man has received the life nature of God. Look at these words here. Let's go to, we're turning some scriptures. Now, I've quoted you like 30 of them. I think you realize that. That's one thing you're going to get here is the word. Amen. Not, not opinion. 
we back everything we say up with scripture. But I want you to, let's take a look at a couple of scriptures, all right? Let's turn over to John chapter 5. Jesus is talking. We're going to read uh, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Now, we get messed up because we look at the language everlasting and we look at the, the word eternal and we think they're the same, but they're not. Okay? 24. Thank you. John 5, 24. More securely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And he says, and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the same thing. I'm, Jesus is talking about the same thing that I just got done talking about. We're born spiritually dead. Jesus has made a way for us to be born again, to be brought back to life. 25, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. He says, when the deed will, the dead, excuse me, will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute justice or judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Now, I'm not going to get into the hypostatic union of Christ, but there's a theology And it's referred to as the hypostatic union of Christ. It helps us go through the Bible and get an understanding of the difference between Jesus functioning as a human and Jesus functioning as God. And one of the basic elementary principles of the theology of the hypostatic union of Christ is the idea of Jesus being referred to as the Son of Man has to do with his natural side. Jesus being referred to as the Son of God has to do with his divine side. Now, I think it's interesting when you study this out, and you might look at me and say, hypostatic union of Christ, have you fallen off of something? It's, it's, it's true, it's real, and it pans out in Scripture. But it's interesting because we see Jesus dying on the cross, and every time he talks about him dying on the cross, he says the Son of Man, the son of man. Jesus died as a human being. The son of God, a human being for the sin of the entire world. Why? Because God couldn't do it. Because Adam wasn't God. And so Jesus being the second Adam, the apostle Paul says, he had to do it the same way. His physical body died. His spirit went to judgment Anyway, so he says the Son of Man because he is the Son of Man. So the Father has life in himself and he's given life to Jesus. Why is that important? Because John 10.10 10 is going to make sense now. When Jesus says, the thief has not come to steal, but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have, well, the Father has life in himself and he's given it unto the Son of Man that he would also 
have life in himself. Now, if you look at the word life, and you understand that the word life there is zoe, it has to do with the kind of life that God has. Not the length of life, but it has to do with the quality of life, the type of life, the kind of life. It's eternal life. See, we've said this in church many years. We say, well, if you just get born again, then you'll live forever. Mm. No, you'll live forever whether you're born again or not. But if you'll get born again, you'll have eternal life. You'll have the zoe, you'll have the life of God infused into your spirit. You'll be brought back from spiritual death into spiritual life. See, our spirit receives the life and nature of God. They looked at Jesus and they said, there's something different about you that's not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, the words that you speak are spirit and their life. There's something different that you do that, that they do. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. I just use Jesus' words, amen? Jesus said, it, it, I want you to see this. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of Ten, but that's the famous that I'm the good shepherd. And we did a series about the importance of having a shepherd and what that means. And we said that John chapter 10 was really just an answer to John chapter 9, which was really just a response to Ezekiel chapter 34. Right. You got that too. So, but he says the thief comes, and in the context, he's really not talking about the devil, even though we understand that the devil is a thief and a murderer and a liar, right? But in the context, there was a context. In the context, he's actually talking about the hireling. Someone who shows up because I can get myself a paycheck. The hired one. Now, that does not mean that the Bible says that preachers shouldn't get paid. That's religious and stupid and foolish. Because I found this out just the other day. Um... There are people in the world that appreciate Christians, but they don't give house payments away. Isn't that weird? I cannot go to Meyer Kim and say, hey, I'm a preacher, give me gas. They're like, no, give me 100 bucks. <laughs> and I go, crap. Uh-huh. They even make me buy gum. And I tried to tell them, I had an argument, this is not true, this is all apocryphal. I had an argument, and I said, well, the only reason I chew it is so my breath isn't bad for God's precious little sheep. And they said, pay up, boy, we don't care. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Jesus said, the hireling comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I am the fulfillment of Ezekiel's promise. I have come to give you life and that you would have it more abundantly. The, the same Zoe is the kind and quality of life that God himself possesses. You say, I don't believe that. That's heretical. And I'd say, fantastic. Go get you a dictionary. Because it's not heretical. And that is exactly what he says. You can get a Vines. You can get a Strong's. That's what the language is. Zoe. And the definition of Zoe is the kind and type of life that God himself possesses. 
He put that on the inside of you and he put that on the inside of me and he didn't put it in my brain. So my thought processes are going to have to be turned to the thought processes of God's word. I literally, and I know that this is scary and a little dicey and, and you know, but I literally have to be brainwashed, not from a preacher, not from a politician, but from the Holy Ghost. My mind has to receive the washing and regeneration of the Word of God by the Holy Ghost. Because if we're living in earth, it many times is going to conflict with living in the kingdom. But he told us that we're brought out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Why? Because I live in a different kingdom. Isaiah says of the increase of his government, of his kingdom, of his rule, of his authority, there shall be no end. Oh, and by the way, the hypostatic union of Christ and Isaiah's prophecy almost 200, and 200 years before Jesus was born... He says, for unto us a child is, and unto us a son is given. Man, God. Unto us a child is born. Unto us, he's the only begotten son of God. Unto us the son, he wasn't born, the son was given. The child was born. The son was offered. Again, Paul says, he was offered for my offense. And at the point of my justification, he was raised. Amen? So we have to understand this. John 5, John 10, and I want you to look at two more verses if you can. We're going to go quick. John chapter 13, 35. He says, by this, he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what is the life character and the life nature of God? Well, first John says in four, he said, God is love. It's not what he does. It's not what he does. It's not what he has, even though he does love, and he has loved us. But it's not, it goes deeper than that. It, it's who, it's his, if you'll allow me, please. It's his spiritual DNA. It's who he is. It's what he is. It's not, it's not an attribute of him. See, his, his, there are attributes of him, but it's not an attribute. It's to the core, it's to the core of who he is. God is Love. So we know that we've been disciples. We know that we've walked with Jesus. We know that we've talked with him. We know that we've spent time with him. By this, we know that we're his disciples. And by this, the world will know that we're his disciples. Why? Because we love one another. And then 1 John, turn over to the epistle. 1 John, we're going to read chapter 3. We know 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. 
Now listen to this. That's a very familiar part of this verse, of 14. That's a very familiar part of this verse. But, but what we don't sometimes pay attention to is there's more meat on the bone. He says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. Why? Because we, we must not have received the nature of God because the nature of God is going to manifest itself in because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I get this. I get people confronting. I get this. I get it when people confront the symptom of sin. What do you mean by that? I mean, they got to sign up. Oh, they're on a street corner and telling people who are smoking a cigarette that you're going to die and burn in hell because you're smoking a cigarette. I get talking about the symptom because it, for some of us, it's the only way. I don't know this guy. He's walking by me on a street corner. There's a symptom here, but maybe he gave his life to Jesus 10 minutes ago. Maybe he's trying to get his flesh under control. God didn't so hate the world that he sent Jesus. He so loved the world. Now, again, I, I understand. And I'm not sitting here saying, hey, man, do whatever you want to. Bless God, you're saved. That, that's ignorant. But we have to be careful that we don't just look at the symptom. Because sometimes it doesn't tell us the real situation, what's really going on. And in addition to that, also, um, it's like we're surprised that people who are spiritually dead sin. It's their nature. What else are they going to do? He says, if you don't love your brother, then you're still living in spiritual death. 14, right? 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He says, by this we know love, 16, because he laid down his life for us. And he also ought to, excuse me, we also ought to lay down our lives for their brethren. But whoever has this world's goods, I wanted to end on this because it's fun. Whoever has this world's goods. Now, immediately you think about a jacket or food or money. What about time? See, we know that God lives outside of time. So, Because it's easy for me to say, oh, I just don't have any time. I don't have any money. I don't have any food. I don't have any clothes. I can't help anybody. King James Version says this, He who possesses or has this world's goods and sees a brother, say brother, sees a brother in need, First John 3, 17, sees a brother in need and shutteth up the bowels of compassion in himself. Like, nah, it doesn't matter to me. He asked this question, how be it the love of God dwell in him? How is it that God's nature is really on the inside of this person? See, there's an outward working of the nature of God being on the inside of us. Full circle. My spirit was born again the moment I gave my life to Jesus. You know that old, that old hymn, we sing it sometimes here. There is a fountain filled with blood that's been drawn from Emmanuel's veins. You know? And sinners plunge. My spirit was completely made righteous 
because he himself has become my very own righteousness. The moment. It's not a process of being born again. It's a process of working out in the flesh what took place in my spirit. Sinners plunge beneath that flood and they lose all their guilty stains. Born again. I've received the life nature of God. I've received his peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not like the world gives, give I to you. Man, you go through some stuff where there is, you, someone could hand you 300 pound bags of $100 bills. And if you had to choose that, over the peace of God in the middle of a situation, every person in this room would take the peace of God every single time because all the money in the world can't buy peace when you're absolutely in the middle of a storm. When you're absolutely in the middle of a war, and someone's like, man, I'd buy a car and that'd make me happy. Yeah, I'd make you happy, but we're supposed to live in joy. Amen, Amen Pastor Brian. <laughs> Jesus said, I give you my peace, not like the world gives, my peace I give to you. Whoa. We, we need to so condition. Everybody say condition, please. Condition. We, we need to so condition our bodies. And so condition our soul, our intellect, our mind, our will, and our emotions. That we allow our spirit to steer our vessel and navigate through these obstacles that we all face in life. Jesus said, in this world, in this life, in this world, you will have persecution. Didn't he? But what did he say? Be of... Oh, he didn't say be discouraged. He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I'll get you through it just... Don't lean under your own understanding, soul. Don't be driven by your flesh. Be led by your spirit, which is the part of you that's been born again of incorruptible seed. Amen? And when we, this is how we know, here's a benchmark, this is how we know. When we begin to live from out of our spirit, then there will inevitably be an outward working of not not affection where you're hugging and kissing everybody and getting weird but but love true agape it's unconditional and then we say man i just so and so i just can't stand that person i can't sit in the same row with them at church and bah well you're operating out of your emotions and you should stop but we can endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace if we walk from within our spirit man, if we pay attention to the inward man, if we pay attention to the hidden man of the heart. Amen? We don't have to be overcome by our emotions. Any of them. We don't have to get into fear about something. We don't have to lose our peace. We call it losing our mind or losing our cool, but we don't have to lose our peace. 
Amen? We don't have to get into a place where we're so just overcome and overwhelmed and we begin to find ourselves undone. The Holy Ghost told the church in Corinth, listen, God is the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. So comfort one another with the same comfort with which you've been comforted. That when, now when we start to see, okay, now I get it. This is me, and this is like the real me is my spirit, and, and I am a spirit made like God. Jesus said, God is spirit. He that worship him, John chapter 4, he that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I understand I am a spirit. I'm made in the class of God, not, not in the class of the zoo, but in the class of God. He breathed his nature into me. That doesn't mean I am a God. That's secular humanism. We've been made in the same class as God. Amen. We don't have to get overwhelmed. We don't have to get discouraged. We don't have to get in fear. I am a spirit. I possess a soul, an intellect, and I live inside of a body. You know, we screw a lot of stuff up, but we get it right a lot too. Luke's gospel, Mary receives this awesome, awesome revelation and says, peace, I'm out, and goes and visits her cousin. And so we know the story of Elizabeth and Zacharias, and we see that there's the baby, and she's Elizabeth with child. And Mary comes in, and she's pregnant with the seed of God. And the Bible tells us that the baby inside of Elizabeth leapt inside of her. And then Mary says this, and it's very familiar to us. She says, my soul magnified the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God. And that word soul, if you look it up in the original language, is the word psyche. My psyche. We sang this song today about our soul. 10,000 reasons we sing about our soul will sing to the Lord. We're, what we're doing is we're saying in our mind and our will and our emotions, we acknowledge God as the God of the universe. Well, only if we can get to a place where we've learned to live from our spirit can we actually allow our soul to be reconditioned and renewed and helped. So we can say, my soul magnified, my psyche, my intellect magnified the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior this is an important aspect and, and like I said I want to get into more and more learning how to be led by God through your spirit and through your soul and, and through your flesh God will speak to us and lead us and nudge us in every one of those areas but it's so important to see that, that God had life within himself, John 5, 35. And he gave that life to Jesus. And Jesus said, I have come that you would have life, John 10, 10, more abundantly. And then over in 1 John chapter 3, 14, 15, 16, and 17, he says, man, if you're walking in hate, if you're not walking in love, you don't have, you have death, not life. We've passed from this to the next because we love the brethren. The outward working of our life being born again is to love, not, not accept, 
We'll get this so, so mixed up. Ah, stop. We think that acceptance means approval, and it doesn't. Acceptance means acceptance. Approval means approval. So we say to somebody out on the street who has the natural signs of using drugs. We go to them and say, I approve of you. God loves you. I approve of you. You're fine. Duh. No, they're going to be dead. No, we accept them and say, man, Jesus loves you. God has sent forth his son, his only son into the world, not to judge you, but to save you. I accept you as who you are, just as you are. I accept you. But that doesn't mean that we approve of everything. We can love somebody without approving of every little thing that they do. Anyway, we're going to get into that. Are you glad you came to church today? Yes. Let's give the Lord a thanks and praise. Let's clap. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for the word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Lord, these things are in the book for a reason that we would know them. These things are in the book for a reason that we would live them. Now, we can go through our whole entire life not knowing that that's in the book and then never gaining the benefit. But, Father, on the other hand, we can discover, because we're faithful students of your word, we can discover that you have life provision for us in every one of these areas. And then we can take those things that we've received of you, get them working in our lives, and then help others walk in victory. Thank you for your word, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. of you. Get them working in our lives and then help others walk in victory. Thank you for your word, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.